Hello and welcome to An Engineer and a Rabbi Walk into a Podcast. I'm Nat Lokshin, the engineer. My name is Rabbi Daniel Rabin, the rabbi, and it's wonderful to be back with our uh, dedicated and uh, honored fans. I'm, I, I have to apologize because it was really my fault that we've uh, had a bit of a lull in a few weeks of not recording. We had the high holidays and obviously I've been moving and so it's good to be back with you, Nat, and it's good to be able to record another session. Um, Nat and I have seen each other, obviously, in the streets, but we haven't had a chance to to record, so it's good to be back. Yeah, we, we don't have a, a team following us around doing the on-location podcast recording yet one day. Exactly right. So so I thought today, Nat, obviously it's been a while and a lot, a lot has happened since we last recorded obviously we went through the high holiday period we had another very interesting Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur and Sukkot in lockdown and it seems like the road out is is getting closer and closer it still seems a little bit far away but obviously New South Wales encourages us they were um, released today for lack of a better term their uh, restrictions have vastly been taken away so the light is at the end of the tunnel and hopefully it's not a train coming towards us but uh, a pathway out. But given the, the extended lockdowns, I thought it'd be appropriate today to, I guess, tackle a, a big topic. And look, we, we're not here to necessarily offer mental health um, advice per se, but this week is called Mental Health Week. And the whole month really is Mental Health Awareness. Yesterday was Mental Health Day. And I think mental health has really been the forefront of a lot of the media over the last months. Um, in particular with the extended lockdowns and the impact it's having on everyone. Um, and a lot of focus has been put on the school children, youth in general, young adults. But all ages, in fact, are, are struggling. You know, people need interaction. People need the human connection. And I think a big part of why we're not, why we are struggling and why mental health professionals, are, I mean, I have a master's in counseling and psychotherapy and have a number of friends who, who went into that area. And obviously, I know some psychologists and psychiatrists, and many of them are telling me that they, they, they have like six-month waiting lists to see clients, to see patients. Um, it's pretty scary to think about that. And I know that the government, you know, is also wanting to invest more money to have, you know, counselors at schools and have, you know, more sessions with, with psychologists, with, with psychiatrists. And so, yeah, I think, I think it would be good for us to chat about it. Now, Nat, for you in a, in a workplace, a big company, um, we don't have to say the name of the company, but just, just curious, how much do they focus on mental health in your company? Is there, is there anything about that, that that's on the focus at work? I know you're working from home, but um, what, what happens on corporate level in this area? Thanks, Rabbi. Um, thankfully, um, my business is, is very supportive and lots of emails and sessions and um, uh, different ways, um, different resources to reach out if required. So there's a lot of that going out, mainly on email, which I'm sure most people working from home are a bit tired of. I think um, from from what I've been very focused on on mental health and and health and well-being in general, and I think Australia and Victoria. Um, have been focused on that for more than just um, coronavirus, but yeah. definitely what's been going on with um, with the lockdown and the stay-at-home orders. It's 
magnified a lot of things. So at least the, I, I believe there was a lot of infrastructure in place in, um, in our governments before we came into um, these lockdowns. So that's good. And then obviously there's been a significant um, investment there on. And, and I think that's flowing down to a lot of businesses where if they don't offer those services, then um, people, I think we discussed in other sessions, that's one of the things people have, well, there's a lot of opportunity there's um, out there to change and people can look at the businesses that they're going to and choose the one that are going to be supportive. It's not just the dollar figure, not just the title of the role that you're going to. Um, people have a lot of opportunity to look at which businesses can offer, which forces most businesses to have something um, in there to be supportive of mental health, focus on inclusion, diversity, and all those sorts of things to make sure everyone feels comfortable and welcome in, in the Absolutely. corporate level. And I think, you know, it's interesting because it's, uh, thank you for that insight into the corporate level. Because, you, you know, I do, I do read articles where, you know, corporations and companies are, you know, putting focus on mental health of their staff. And, you know, even if you look at it from, from just a business perspective, you know, uh, an output, you know, if, you're, if your staff are not feeling good mentally, their work's not going to be good. You know, they're going to struggle. They probably take more sick days. So even if they just looked at it as a financial investment, um, let alone, you know, caring for the people because they, are, they should care for other human beings, it's worthwhile. I mean, I serve as a volunteer police chaplain and obviously Victoria Police has put a lot of focus on the mental health and well-being of their, of their members. And I think it's, it's so wonderful to see that they've got a well-being division, they've got chaplaincy, they've got psychologists and obviously police go through, you know, difficult times. You know, they see things which, you know, uh, are not easy to see. Um, it's a very stressful job. And so I think it is encouraging uh, that industries, you know, whether it be the business world, the, you know, the, the policing world, the, uh, you know, the nonprofit sectors, I think, you know, religious practice practitioners need to also make that, make, put, put, bring that to the forefront. I know synagogues and shuls and other religious groups talk about it all the time now. We, we, this is just part of the, a standard procedure, if you like, that we really need to look at how we are doing this, you know. So it's 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 really encouraging. I'm just curious if you think um, there's still stigma around mental health. So yes, we we're feeding it and we're helping people and we're bringing the services. But if somebody's actually struggling mentally and is going through a, a particular challenge, whether it be depression or suffering anxiety or possibly feeling suicidal and how, how comfortable do you think people are addressing that or raising that with others in work, in community? Sadly, my view is there's still, there's still quite a bit of stigma around that. I think there's still a lot of people who would be uncomfortable to tell other people they've, they've had issues and they've been seeing someone professionally or perhaps have had to go into a mental health clinic uh, for a certain amount of time. I don't know what your sense is. I, I definitely have seen a lot of improvements over you know, a few years um, because there has been so much focus in the in the media about talking that all the Are You OK Day and, and definitely at work, we we celebrate Are You OK Day. There's signs everywhere to, to just ask what's going on. Um, I think there's a lot of inbuilt st stigma. There's a lot of, I, I definitely don't know the psychology, but all the biases or something that's ingrained from 
childhood is just so hard to um, change how you perceive things, even though there's there's a lot of communication saying we we should be open about talking about um, mental health. You should be able to call in sad to work, not call in sick. These are illnesses that you have and therefore you need to deal with and get get over. No one would question you if you had a broken foot, but if you actually aren't there mentally, people say, well, you got to suck it up. I think there's a lot of things and I don't know what the fix is. There's a lot of things that need to go under the bridge. That's not, you know, one day reprogramming. There's not one awareness month that can change the stigma. It has to be probably a generational thing where the generation growing up now that sees all that um, information in the media and people talking about be comfortable with, um, with talking about mental health problems, they're probably going to be the ones that never see it as a stigma. They never know anything different. Whereas we are probably coming from a place where it wasn't talked about possibly in our youth for other people. And therefore it's not a comfortable thing. And even if some people have seek, sought counseling and can uh, talk about it and can feel comfortable, might still not feel comfortable talking to certain people or even if um, if someone came and spoke to them, even if, if like say I went through a lot of counseling and I was comfortable and I liked talking about mental health, if someone came to talk to me, I still think there's there would be something deep down going, oh, that person has a problem. And you, you'd think more into what is causing that and then who they are rather than just addressing and supporting them in the moment. And I, I don't know how to reprogram that. Yeah, very well said. I think we, we um, wow, what you just said is very, very, very important because I think that's a lot of, a lot of what people do feel, you know, it's, um, you know, as a rabbi, obviously I get lots of calls at times about shidduchim, you know, about matchmaking. And the, the, the question which I, I often struggle with is, you know, if I know someone who's gone through mental health struggles and then the question from the particular suitors, you know, they call you or the matchmakers say, uh, you know, do they have mental health issues? And I always stop and say, why are you asking me this question? You know, did you ask if they ever broken their arm? Did you ask if they ever had a broken foot? No, you haven't asked that. And it just highlights again that there's still that uncomfortable place that we all, that, we, that sits with many people still. And I think, you know, one of the approaches I think we have to take is if you are approached or if you are asked about this, or if you do meet someone who's gone through it or someone does open up to you, I think it's about not allowing that person to feel judged because, you know, whether you, whether you, you know, you, you want to take it in your own psyche or your own record book that, you know, this person is struggling. It's so important not to allow that person to feel that way, that you feel that they've done something wrong or that there's something wrong with them. And I like what you said earlier. It's like you said, the broken foot. If somebody has a broken foot, it doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It means they got an injury. And if somebody has a mental health issue, it doesn't mean they're a bad person. Now, that being said, I think obviously if somebody's really psychologically challenged and perhaps is aggressive or dangerous, again, you know, they need to seek help. We need to, we need to guide them to get help. Um, but it shouldn't define who you, as a, who you are as a person. So if somebody is, you know, taking medication, serious medication, they might have uh, bipolar, you know, all these types of things, there might be certain things that you'd want to be upfront about in a shidduch, you know, it's something that you would want to be honest about because if this will have an impact on the relationship or 
how the person needs to navigate the relationship, then I think it is important to be honest and to be upfront. The same thing if somebody, you know, if somebody was in a wheelchair, you know, and you and you wanted to say, well, on a date, you wouldn't tell the person, look, let's not tell this person that they that they they they, they live their life in a wheelchair and that's how they get around because the person who's going to be marrying them is going to have to navigate that and understand that it's part, going to be part of life. It doesn't mean they're a bad person, God forbid. It doesn't mean that they're something wrong with them. It just means this is the particular challenge that they have. And I think the more supportive we can be and the more open we can be about these discussions. I had a colleague, I won't say his name because I haven't asked his permission, but he he went publicly on in the Jewish news um, to talk about his mental health struggles as a rabbi. And it was so warmly received that I felt, wow, that is just so special that the community... And I think it took a lot of guts because, you know, people will think, oh, a rabbi, he's, they, they should be the someone who should be able to handle all these things. But it just, I think it made people more comfortable to realize that it, it's everybody susceptible to struggles. Everybody can have a, a, an, an injury, if you like, in their, in their mental health space. So I think the more we talk about it, and that's why I thought it'd be good that even us just having this chat today, I think hopefully brings more comfort to somebody who is going through a health struggle to realize it is something you can talk about. It is something you should feel comfortable about. And if somebody does make you feel judged, the problem, uh, let me tell you, is not with you, it's with them. And that's important to understand. Oh, what you said, there's a lot. But just on your last <laughs> point about the um, rabbi coming out and, and people maybe thinking rabbi should be able to deal with this. I I'd, I wouldn't, I'm not saying I think this, the opposite, but the workload and the expectations of a community rabbi, I think would, would make most people susceptible to not, not always mental health, but struggles in what's going on. You know, you, I, I believe rabbis are, are still human. Um, so <laughs> they have the same um, things that the rest of us have, but to be on call pretty much 24 seven for birth, death, marriages, having to navigate um, complaints of, of within the community and being able, then having to be switched on for running services. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you Rabbi Daniel or other rabbis are, are working far more than an eight hour day and lack of sleep is, is I'm pretty sure is one of the key factors to any mental health struggles out there. If you're not sleeping, if your body's not feeling good, then you're not able to overcome those things. So the compounding factors for, for a communal rabbi, I, I think would present significant, you know, struggles that, that any normal person would have in given that same situation. Wow. Well, you just, you should come, you should come speak to the Rabbinical Council of Victoria and tell all the rabbis, because I think you've just nailed it on the head. And that's right. I mean, you know, rabbis and other people in that type of space are, are human beings. And yeah, the, the, the commitments on us is extremely heavy. As you said, you've got to navigate the life cycles, the complaints, and then still operate at a level of servicing the community. There's obviously events, activities, you've got to be a CEO, you've got to be a graphic designer, you've got to be a, uh, you know, a uh, video editor um so yeah there's lots of and i think for me personally one of the biggest challenges as a rabbi i find and i know this is going to probably sound rather strange and um is sometimes it is it's a little bit lonely in the sense that you know you you i've got a lot of thank god i've got a lot of connection with people and i you know i i thrive on the connection with human beings but ultimately it's it's a lonely space in that the people that you're connecting with are your congregants they they 
they are your friends, don't get me wrong. I, I consider you my friend. I consider many other my congregants my friends. But ultimately, you have to represent the position, you know. And so um, it's different. And so I try have, I don't have many friends that are outside of the space, you know. Um, I have one or two who are, one is a rabbi who I'm very close to, so we can share that connection. And one is, has happens to be a childhood friend who we still stay in touch. Except he doesn't even live in Australia. So it's interesting. And, and yes, this this can be, you know, the times where you do feel, I did a thesis on rabbinic burnout and rabbinic uh, struggles. And one of the things that, you know, one of the rabbis, I did a qualitative study, one of the rabbis was saying, you know, he felt he just, every time he saw the phone ring, he was like, I don't want to answer it. I just don't. And, I, and he understood at that point, something's not right. Something's different. And obviously he was going through burnout. And so it could happen to all of us. So I think, you know, I know, I know this, this is a much bigger conversation and maybe we can have another, another session on it. But I think in, in light of Mental Health Week, let's all commit, anyone who's listening and the two of us, let's just commit to supporting those that we do know who are struggling. If we're going through the struggle, we shouldn't be ashamed to, to speak about it. We shouldn't be ashamed to seek the help. And of course, if you are going through a particularly tough time, there's always Lifeline, call Lifeline, Beyond Blue, reach out, make a call. If you're feeling suicidal, you know, call, call those numbers, call those people. And um, I don't know if, Nat, if you can put it in the one of those suicide prevention numbers on the body of the, um, the podcast thing just for this session. So if anyone is triggered by anything we've said today and, and feels, you know, they need to talk to somebody, the number's readily available, if you don't mind. Yeah, I definitely can add that. And that should be included on on any anything sent out because people should always know that there's there's a number to call in any any stage of need, um, even lonely rabbis. But you know, I just wanted to come up <laughs> on the point. I I com- as soon as you said it that that being a rabbi um, can feel lonely at times. I completely understand uh, where that would be coming from because you know there's there's no one else there in you taking those calls at midnight for dealing with um, th- with things. It's it's a long and drawn out and exhausting, um, but the responsibility for a communal rabbi is is on the rabbi. So you got, always have to step up and, and that can quickly, quickly yeah. lead to burnout. And, you know, there's no one to just share the, uh, the burden um, for every single uh, responsibility. So, um, and thank you. And I, I, I don't know how rabbis are doing now with, um, with lockdown and not being able to get that um, recharge of actually being in the room with congregants and and davening and praying together, which I'm sure is a help um, for those people. I mean, human contact is is such a key requirement for us to to move forward. And the feeling of loneliness is is not something that is easily dealt with, especially right. in in lockdown. So anyone, if you have someone to call. Um, I recommend just picking up the phone and calling out of the blue, no matter what stigma you feel might come up, pick up the phone. And, and if you, if you don't have anyone to call, as we said, there, there's lots of numbers of people who are, who are there to listen um, and want and to help. listen. And you know, just, just having yeah. that conversation can really go a long way, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. So everybody, we want to wish you well. We want, I hope uh, the next time we speak, the roadmap is getting closer to the exit and um, we can all get back to interacting and connecting and talking to each other in person. And we look forward to our next episode, which hopefully be either a week or two. Um, next week, less than a half. month. 
Less than, <laughs> less than, a less month, than six months. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, all the best to you, Nat, and um, have a great rest of the day and a great rest of the week. And um, signing out. All the best, everyone. See you, Rabbi. Take care, mate.